Welcome to Mi'kmaq Matters, a podcast about the Mi'kmaq people and the Halibut First Nation. I'm Glenn Wheeler. This week, we're trying to make sense of that head-scratching federal cabinet shuffle. Jody Wilson-Raybould, former AFN Regional Chief for BC and Liberal Star candidate in the last federal election, out as Minister of Justice. Promoted to Minister of Indigenous Services is former TV personality Seamus O'Regan, graded F by veterans for his stint in the Veterans Affairs Department. Later in the show, we'll hear from Greg Jaynes of Burgio, a veteran who worked with O'Regan on the Halibut enrollment issue. The cabinet shuffle comes months away from a federal election, at a time when Indigenous peoples are increasingly estranged from the Trudeau government over their positions on pipelines and resource extraction. To help make sense of this puzzling turn of events, we turn to Russ Diabo, Mohawk from Ganawagi, policy analyst, editor and publisher of the First Nation Strategic Bulletin. He has also been a staff person for the Assembly of First Nations and a candidate for AFN National Chief last year. One of the measures supported by Wilson-Raybould was a so-called recognition framework that was widely panned as reducing First Nations to the level of municipalities rather than an equal order of government with the feds and provinces. I asked Rastayabo how it can be said she was demoted for being too strong an advocate when she was such a team player for the Trudeau Indigenous agenda. You know, I've never been a fan of Jody Wilson Raybould's and her political career. We've always kind of clashed politically. Um, when she was appointed as a justice minister um, in the Trudeau government, I wasn't too surprised because, you know, I, I knew they were touting her as a star candidate. Uh, from BC, and um, you know she did go along um, not only well on the framework, the Trudeau government's recognition and implementation of rights framework. Uh, it was inspired by the work of Jody Wilson-Raybould. Uh, her and her husband, while she was um, vice chief of BC for the Assembly of First Nations, uh, developed a governance toolkit. You know this 800-page tome uh, uh, book basically, that they wrote, but it was all within the framework of the federal policy, you know, self-government and comprehensive claims policy guidelines are are boundaries. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it wasn't really a radical uh, departure of changing the fundamental structure of the relationship. I can ask you something about that. So are you saying that she, she and her husband had already developed a concept that was sort of um, became what we heard about as this uh, recognition framework uh, more recently. Yes, and uh, actually she confirmed that in uh, McLean's article, I think, um, from January 20, 2018, I think it was. Uh, you can check it. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, It's called Jody's Plan to Save Canada, I think. And um, she confirmed in there how she was recruited to the Liberal Party and how they liked her... her uh, her and her husband's governance toolkit and used that as the basis, uh, you know, of um, what the Prime Minister announced last year on February 14th in 
in Parliament to have this recognition, uh, rights recognition framework uh, introduced into law. Mm-hmm. Now, um, she also, you know, let's not forget, she also said um, when the government announced approval for the Kinder Morgan pipeline in B.C., she was at that press conference and she did announce that uh, they had sufficiently consulted First Nations on the um, pipeline expansion project. And, of course, the uh, Federal Court of Appeal disagreed with them and halted that project, yes. uh, showing that she was wrong in that regard. But, you know, it was a political calculation of the Trudeau government to go ahead and push push it through, which is what the court, you know, criticized them on, saying they just sent note-takers uh, to meet with First Nations along <clears throat> the pipeline corridor. Yes. So, Jody, <clears throat> even though, um, you know, a lot of people see her as a strong advocate, to me, the cabinet shuffle indicates that uh, even the low bar that she was probably advocating within the system was not in line with the uh, the approach um, the prime minister wanted to take. Mm. Now, a lot of people speculated, you know, on name sources and all that, you know, and and I have my own, <laughs> my own sources, and my sources tell me that her and uh, Bennett clashed heavily. Um, you know, on the rights framework approach, um, you know, they're doing a national engagement across Canada. And uh, and uh, Jody Wilson-Raybould, I guess, apparently, from what I hear, had developed like um, a 60-page document. And um, her and Bennett, Bennett disagreed with her, saying it would lead to chaos. And basically, I hear that they got into it and uh, another third minister had to intervene between the two of them. Hmm, and ultimately, the prime minister backed Bennett and not Jody Wilson-Raybould. So I think that's a lot why she was demoted. So is it your understanding that Bennett had a uh, a political problem with the with the with the framework, or was it uh, on on process and mechanics that they clashed? Well, in all honesty, I don't believe Bennett understands this. I think it more likely probably has to do with the bureaucracy. Hmm. Bennett relies a lot on the assistance senior assistant deputy minister joe wild uh, for crown indigenous relations he, you know you usually see him accompanying her across uh, the country because i think he answers the tough questions about these negotiations or changes that the trudeau government's talking about in this new nation to nation relationship and reconciliation process mm-hmm. and um <clears throat> and also there's michael warnick who's the clerk of the privy council who was Stephen Harper is deputy minister of Indian Affairs for nine years. It was controversial when when he got that position in the Trudeau government in the first place, and questions about why they would have this uh, Harper retread um, in in this new government. That's right, and and when they appointed him, um, the prime minister did it by press release while he was in Davos, Switzerland, I think, mm-hmm. and he said it was going to be a um, temporary appointment, but meanwhile. Uh, Warnick is still there, and personally, I see his fingerprints over everything that's uh, been happening on Indigenous policy initiatives, uh, you know, from the Trudeau government. So you have him as the clerk of the Privy Council, you know, the, basically the uh, deputy minister to the prime minister, um, and um, you know, you have uh, Joe Wild, who's the uh, the one working with Bennett, mm-hmm. and so I think Jody uh, probably got into you know, knocking heads with them on which way to go. And uh, that that's, seems to be confirmed by what the mainstream media are saying about reports coming that she was uh, 
you know, not working well difficult, with him. Difficult to work with. Yeah, that that was it. Yes. But, so um, I think it was because of, even though whatever she was advocating, which I, I probably would think is below what I would be advocating for, yeah. uh, it was too much for the Trudeau government. So moved her. And, and I think the signal of moving um, Philpott to Treasury Board and Seamus O'Regan into business services indicates that dropping it as a priority, you know, indigenous issues uh, as they go into this next election. You know, from what I hear, the framework idea is dead and they're going to go piecemeal now. Mm. And that makes sense because they got a lot of moving parts that they're they're dealing with, a new fiscal relationship, uh, dissolving Indian affairs and creating two new federal departments, and of course, two new ministers. Um, these 10 principles on indigenous relationships, which are basically preconditions to all negotiations. Uh, so they've got all these things still in place, plus all these negotiation tables they have across this country for comprehensive claims, self-government, and um, what they call these recognition and self-determination tables. According to uh, Minister Bennett, she's posted that uh, there's 70-plus tables there, and she says over half the Indian Act bands in the country are at one of those tables. Mm. So, I mean, they... They have negotiation processes underway, so they don't really need that recognition act uh, at this time. seems like they're going to go ahead and try and get as many agreements signed and precedents set as possible leading into this election and probably post-election as well. Of course, we have to see what happens with the election. Yes. So why do you think uh, these cabinet changes would happen now, close to an election, at a time when uh, the Trudeau government already has political problems with indigenous peoples because of uh, pipelines and and resource issues so uh, now on almost on the eve of an election they do something that uh, that further annoys uh, many people in indigenous communities by uh, deposing Jody Wilson-Raybould well I think it's consistent with what Trudeau said all along that his priority is the middle class um, although he says indigenous uh, relationships are his most important one, really it, it's you know the middle class that's who votes him in. Yes. So I think it has more to do with um, addressing the economy and um, the fact that, uh, as I've been saying, I think that he's going to go into like his father's just watch me face, mm. and I think he's going to use his uh, majority government in parliament um, to ram through their idea of what they think self-government is, because it's always been about the feds defining self-government, and, and in fact, they're using the Canadian definition of the UN Declaration to define self-determination within Canadian domestic law. Yeah. So um, this Child Welfare Act that they're planning on introducing uh, will be the beachhead for what was the broader Recognition Act, except it's going to be sectoral, and then followed by the Languages Act, uh, Indigenous Languages Act. Mm. So they, they have a national plan that they're implementing going into this election. I think they know that they're going to be in conflict with many Indigenous peoples over the pipeline issues and resource extraction in general. And uh, they're prepared to take that hit because I don't think they're going to get a lot of Indigenous people coming out to vote for them like they did in the last election. I guess they their calculation might be that there is nowhere else for indigenous people to go because they wouldn't vote conservative in all likelihood and 
the NDP is in somewhat uh, disarray, both in terms of leadership and inconsistent policies on, on pipelines and resources. So I guess the worst case scenario is that Indigenous voters uh, stay home. That's what I think is going to happen. I think uh, people just stay home. I mean, I've seen it happen in the past. For example, Elijah Harper, uh, he was a liberal um, in the Churchill riding, one of the largest ridings in the country. He was elected in in the 1993 election, as I recall. And in the 1997 election, he, he lost because people stayed home because he was promoting the long gun registry and other unpopular. He supported the Indian Amendment package that uh, the Gretchen government was pushing. So he didn't get his people out for him uh, like they did the first time uh, because he sided with unpopular liberal policies and uh, and they stayed home. Yes. So I think that's an indication of what's likely to happen uh, in this broader sense uh, across the country. Now, uh, let me ask you a little bit more about the Indigenous uh, Services Department and uh, Shameless O'Regan. Um, a uh, the ineffective uh, former Veterans Affairs Minister is being uh, minister being promoted to that ministry, and you say it represents a uh, a sort of uh, a downgrading of the uh, Indigenous uh, priorities. Uh, what does it say about that um, that department and how it works and its place in the the uh, the federal uh, framework? Of course, we have the two departments now: Crown Indigenous Relations and Indigenous Services, which is, I guess. Indigenous Services is the money ministry that that funnels out the money. So, um, does it also indicate that that is sort of uh, self-propelled by the bureaucracy, and they don't really need an effective minister at this time to do the work that that department has to do? I would say that's true because the way I see the division of um, responsibilities, as the Prime Minister says, he has two ministers now: one for um, services and one for relationships. You know, um, that was Philpott and Bennett, and now Sham Regan is in charge of services, meaning Indigenous services. And um, that department is basically, as far as I can tell, just exercising Canada's responsibilities under Section 9124, you know, the, the first constitution, which says the federal government is responsible for Indians and lands reserved for the Indians, and the Indian Act. So I see it as just um, dealing with the on-reserve status Indian uh, um, responsibilities for delivering programs and services, um, and that's pretty straightforward. I mean, they're they're supposedly transforming that, um, and they do have, I think, 17 billion in new money that's been committed in the th- past three budgets. Um, on top of the 10 billion they spend. Uh, a year, so there is new money, but that money is really for uh, what Art Manuel used to call the on-reserve uh, dependency programs. It's not for fundamental restructuring of the relationship. They do uh, lots of media saying, "Oh, we're investing in this project and that, you know, a water treatment center or a new school." Or it's basically for all on-reserve um, programs. So mm. it's not fundamentally restructuring the relationship that the Royal Commission on Aboriginal Peoples called for, for example or what they promised to do in their 2015 commitments. Um, of course, they get to interpret those uh, 2015 promises. And I think that's been part of the problem is the Trudeau government has uh, misappropriated our terminology like nation to nation and reconciliation, and they're putting their own meanings to it. And it doesn't mean what we think, you know, on our side. 
Mm. And now people are starting to see that. You know, indigenous people are starting to see, hey, wait a minute, you know, nation to nation seems to mean that the prime minister is signing these uh, these memorandums of understanding with national indigenous organizations, and he's not talking to us on the ground. Mm. And that's the way it's been operating, you know, for the past three, uh, going on four years. Mm. So <clears throat> indigenous services, yeah, he just needs to just go with what the bureaucrats tell him to do. It's going to be Bennett, the one who's uh, the Ministry of Crown Indigenous Relations, I think is the tougher one, because she's in charge of the, the land claims and self-government policies of changing those, because the government's promised to change them. But really, I, I, you know, I just see them using the existing templates and maybe tweaking them. I don't see any fundamental change there. Hmm. Uh, but Bennett, like I said, doesn't understand, in my my opinion, she doesn't understand half of this. She relies on Joe Wilde, who's a lawyer, uh, to assist her. Hmm. And she has to report back up to Warnick. Hmm. And, and, and let's not forget, that within the bureaucracy, there's a Deputy Minister Oversight Committee in a whole department. And underneath them is an Assistant Deputy Minister uh, Committee, which Joe Wilde sits on, uh, called a Federal Steering Committee. And their job is to look at all the negotiations across the country and make sure they're all fitting within cabinet mandates and not setting a precedent somewhere beyond the federal objectives, you know, on uh, land claims or self-government. So they do have a structure in place that they're managing uh, and controlling um, Indigenous peoples, including the Métis, you know, and and the... And the minister in this arrangement is, she's the the extra in the story, really, without being the the star, even though she's the minister who we see on uh, TV. They deliver the messaging. Um, but the bureaucrats do the implementation of the plan and the design of the plan, really. Okay. It's not the prime minister that comes up and says, okay. You know, they come up with their promises in the campaigns, and it's up to bureaucracy to figure out, okay, how are we going to implement those promises? Are you surprised that Judy Wilson-Raybould uh, went so willingly? She um, she uh, started tweeting about how happy she was to be the Minister of uh, Veterans Affairs, and uh, even though she was deposed, she went uh, she went with a smile on her face. Well, I mean, she certainly sent out signals, I think, um, that she was not happy. Mm. And uh, there's, she's had a lot of advocates, uh, you know, other Indigenous lawyers writing op-ed pieces in the Globe and that, you know, singing her praises and denouncing the government for moving her. So she's had people who were helping get the message out that it wasn't a good idea. Mm. But uh, I, I don't think she had much choice from what the reports have said was she was vacationing in Bali when she got the news with her husband that she was offered Indigenous Affairs reportedly and declined it, and I could see her doing that because it would be tough for her to be in that position um, because they basically separated programs from rights. Mm. And um, that's that's an issue in itself, the division of these two new departments because you're, you know, for First Nations people anyway, they view um, the services that they're getting from the government as part of the treaty or fiduciary obligations the government has Hmm. and to separate rights from the delivery of those programs and services shows that the government is really treating them as social policy not as rights Hmm. you know the delivery of these programs and services so she would have been in a tough spot especially being uh, the former justice minister to say well I can't talk about that that's Bennett right Hmm. if you want to raise rights you know I can talk about you know your your new sewage system or water system or whatever but uh, but that's it. So 
her only other option, I guess, given uh, to her was accepting Veterans Affairs. So I guess her accepting it meant she wanted to, to um, stay in cabinet, and in, at least until this next uh, federal election. Uh, otherwise, um, her other option was to, um, you know, say, no, I'm not taking it and, you know, go out in a blaze of glory, I guess, shooting at uh, the government making that decision as being a wrong one. Hmm. That she had done, uh, you know, that she performed her job and all that. Russ Diabel, policy analyst and former candidate for AFN National Chief. It's somewhat unusual for Newfoundland to have a federal cabinet representative in charge of anything but fish. When I reached Mayalbegag Chief Mazel Joe last week, he was waiting for a call from newly assigned Minister O'Regan, who would be offering congratulations to the chief for his role in repatriation of Beothic remains from Scotland. Chief Mazel says the new minister will have to hit the ground running. Someone else who has had dealings with O'Regan is Greg Janes, one of the veterans who met with O'Regan last August about getting back their Indian status, removed because they had been away from their Mi'kmaq communities in the armed forces. Greg Janes says he gives O'Regan some credit for helping kickstart the exploratory talks now underway between the feds and Halibut, but he says veterans give O'Regan an F for his performance as Minister of Veterans Affairs. We came away from the meeting feeling really positive, upbeat, uh, that the meeting went extremely well. The meeting was scheduled for one hour, but lasted for two. Uh, the minister made some extra time for us. Um, during that time uh, in the meeting, that uh, there was times that the minister was uh, very visually moved. Um, at times, there wasn't a dry eye in the room. So we really thought we had the ministers here, and uh, we came away feeling uh, really positive about that. That was your impression at the time, and do you think he delivered on that expectation? Well, he had some time now. Uh, being a minister of Veterans Affairs at the time, uh, being a veterans issue, uh, he said he would make the phone calls to uh, Carolyn Bennett's office, uh, which my understanding is that he, he has done. Uh, and uh, we like to believe uh, this is where the um, meetings with Halibut has, has come from. Um, so uh, we believe that there was some way made. Um, but now the, he's the Minister of, um, of Indigenous Services or Indigenous Relations. Uh, so uh, we feel that Minister, Minister O'Regan doesn't need to be briefed on this file. Um, in an act of good faith, uh, this file can be fixed uh, um, very swiftly under his direction. We think that uh, Minister O'Regan should be very influential to this, uh, this file. Um, you know, there's people out there that says that this uh, position that Mr. O'Regan has taken on is a position for him as a lame duck. Um, um, you know, there's a lot of people uh, thinking that, uh, you know, the next federal election looms on, the, uh, on October 21st, uh, 2019. This will be an election issue. We don't want to see it to be an election issue. Mr. O'Regan uh, can... Uh, uh, can send a single uh, any day that uh, this file should be uh, taken care of. And on the perspective of a, a veteran, that, um, you know, he hasn't been able to do too much on the veteran's file. He's in charge of providing services to indigenous uh, communities across the country. He's in charge of 
water and all those services that the feds have mm -hmm. a job in, in handling. But um, I understand that in Veterans Affairs, when he was minister there, everyone wasn't completely happy with his uh, with the progress he made on some of the issues, the benefit issues, for example, that that veterans had. Would you agree that he got bad reviews as minister of Veterans Affairs? Um, I've been involved in the uh, veterans issues now for quite some time, and men the minister of uh, Veterans Affairs came into that file in 2017. And uh, his report card, uh, uh, veterans give him an F, uh, uh, failing veterans. Um, one of the uh, big uh, sticking issues, I guess, was the pension for life issue. Um, the veterans were not satisfied with the promise that the prime minister made during the election that no veteran will have to take his government to court to see, its, uh, see their uh, rightful uh, benefits. Greg Jaynes. Speaking of those exploratory talks, there was another session this past Friday in Halifax. I reached Chief Brendan Mitchell after the meeting, but he said he couldn't discuss it because the process is confidential. Chief Mitchell also asked me to make a correction in our coverage last week of Halibu's arrangements with Carino Processing Limited to market a Halibu brand of seal oil. The chief said the comment about Halibu having a target on its back for being involved in the seal industry was made not by him, but by Councillor Ivan White of Flat Bay. And that's it for the show. Allison Baker is the technical producer of Mi'kmaq Matters. Celebration time used with the permission of Mi'kmaq artist Marcus Goss. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, Listen to Mi'kmaq Matters on Bay of Islands Radio in Norris Point and Rocky Harbor. Tune in on the Voice of Bombay and in St. John's. Catch us on CHMR. I'm Glenn Wheeler. Till next time.